0: Hello, you're listening to Tour solo. a game. The More Than a Game podcast episode, almost entirely dedicated to Al Hassan Toure, breaker of city hearts, scorer of goals, and embarrasser of Dean Bozanis, and also the heir apparent to Mark Viduca's place as the all time greatest striker in Australian history. My name is Tommy C, and I'm joined today by Colby. Colby. Hey, mate.
1: Mark Viduka medalist, Al Hassan Torre. Tommy put some respect on his name. True, I,
0: that seemed like the most obvious one to start. Um, look, is is Al Hassan Torre the best player we've ever seen in Australia? Gee whiz, we're really getting onto this early, aren't we? <laughs> we'll get onto the bandwagon <laughs> early so that we can get off and do other stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's good. He's showing very, very promising signs, and he was a yeah, he was a clear standout in the um, in Adelaide's FFA Cup. Uh, glory last night.
0: That's for sure. Yeah, um, it was a great night in Adelaide last night. This is obviously the the object of the pod tonight. We're going to go through the um, through the FFA Cup final, unpack that, uh, and we're also tonight going to be uh, going through this week's Champions League games as well. Um, but Colby, um, we've got a few fan questions this week, don't we? Loosely, loosely yeah, fans. We've got,
1: a, got a couple that that came in. I'm not used to this, Tommy. Um, normally, we sort of ask the question. Should and, we call this? You know, we're lucky. If we, should we
0: call this the midweek mailbag?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if, if if you want to, I suppose you could. We've got a got a couple of mail items. <laughs>
0: Go on, mate. All right, you kick us off.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, uh, the fir- the first question straight off the bat, uh, the ladies' league want to know how how are we. Wow! So, so how are you, Tommy? How how are you going? This, I mean, you know, th- there are football questions in there too, but
0: um, you know, uh, first things first. But I've, I have heard before that just the best pickup line is just "Hi, how are you?" with a nice smile. So um, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So look, it's been a, it's been a great week, and just it, really fantastic to to see the FFA Cup. So I'm um, having a great week so far. What about you, Colby?
1: Yeah. Oh mate, buzzing! Absolutely buzzing after that. Uh, look, I didn't think I'd be as excited as I was for for the cup final. I've sort of, you know, I've, I've watched most of the the games throughout the um, at least sort of after the uh, group uh, stage and round of thirty two. Um, I watched, you know, probably a game or two every round, but I and I didn't, you know, it was just sort of watching them in the background. Um, but yeah, I really really felt the buzz for this one. Um, yeah, the the sun going down on a. On a sort of packed out uh, Cooper Stadium, it was uh, it was great. So yeah, that's that's really added to how how I'm going this week.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like now we're we're what into the fifth or sixth season of this, so it's it, it's great. It feels like it's starting to generate its own buzz, which obviously it's tough in the first couple of years of a competition like this. But um, the FFA have stuck with it, and like you say, it's it's generating buzz now, sort of amongst the football community in Australia, which is which is great. It meant that I've had a great week. What are, what other questions have we got?
1: Well, we've got, we've got a few others. We could, uh, we could sneak them in at the appropriate time. I might fire them in um, when, when we get to... Because um, a, a lot of them sort of line up with what we're talking about, yeah. So I might, I might just pepper them in later in the pod, Tommy. I'll just, just spring them on you.
0: Just when you think I'm sort of starting to fall asleep to sort of mid-Colby mid, mid Colby rant or something like that, you'll fire a question at me to make sure I'm just still Just hit like... you
1: with a listener question.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, in, in that sense then, uh, we'll, we'll crack on into the FFA Cup then.
1: That's a lovely ball. Al-Hassan Touré, Milosic in the middle, oh he went near post, Al-Hassan Touré! What a finish, he has simply exploded onto the scene in
0: this year's FFA Cup. Well Ryan Strain gets a beautiful pass outside the defence and in behind the fullback. And Al-Hassan Touré, everyone thinks he's going to square the ball. But this is a moment of brilliance, brilliant summing up of the situation. Brilliant vision to see the gap. And then the finish. The technical quality speaks for itself. This youngster's on fire. Okay, so last night we saw the culmination of the 2019 FFA Cup. Uh, 736 teams were whittled down to a single winner, Adelaide United. Um, and it was in front of a very respectable respectable crowd of almost 15,000 uh, at Cooper Stadium in Adelaide. Um Colby, look, cup finals don't always live up to the occasion, but what did you think of this one?
1: Yeah, like I was saying uh, just before Tommy, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. Like there, there, I mean, there was a lot of buzz on social media on the day. I don't know whether that came through to probably I guess the more casual fan, but I mean, definitely came through. Just surprised me, it yeah. came
0: out of like. The buzz managed to get its way out of the shithole of Adelaide,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it looked anything <laughs> it looked anything but the boring shithole that Lucy Zelic thinks it is, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know the, uh, and the only only blackout that happened uh, was when the city players' heads went after that second Adelaide goal went in. Yeah, completely right, completely uh, right. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto the game in a bit more detail after, but in terms of the the occasion, Tommy, um, you know, the, they you had the dress rehearsal the week before, uh, the weekend before, sorry, a couple of days earlier, um, you know, and you had had all the build-up, like I was saying, and, and then you've got Australia's deadliest striker and Jamie <laughs> McLaren.
0: <laughs> oh, is, isn't that exactly right? But um, didn't it just feel as though City sort of played their played their final on on Sunday
1: yeah which was weird and, and Tommy you might be able to speak to that a little bit more because you obviously went to that game um, did it did it look like they just put everything out on the pitch there because I know we thought going into that sort of dress rehearsal that um, you know that would be a little bit cagey and you know both sides might be looking to sort of you know save it for the big one at the cup um, you know do you think City probably left a bit too much out there
0: well Colby, I was actually I'll come back to Sunday's result uh, in a moment but I, I do want to uh, mention uh, our predictions uh for these from from oh, last week's poll because um look I said that there would only be one good match um and that Adelaide would probably save themselves for the final my one to watch was Al Hassan Torre. um and I said uh however sorry you said that um Oh, sorry, I said Adelaide would win 2-1. Obviously, I was a little ways off, but picked the winner. Uh, Colby, you predicted that City would win the final. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can't pick them all, can we, mate? No, no, never follow my tipping. That's, I mean, <laughs> if if you haven't figured that out by now, what have you been doing? Yeah, the listeners have figured that one out, surely, by now. But look, when it comes to, to Sunday's result, I, I really think that City just, um, yeah, they played their cup final on Sunday, um, which was strange because there were a couple of players that... Um, were it wasn't a full strength team. Um, he had Curtis Good that was left out. Um, and also uh, Ross and Griffiths, Potato Rossy. He um he started in midfield in place of Josh Brilante as well. So um it was very clearly not a first string eleven for City. They rested a couple of players. Um, but the players that did that were um out there on on Sunday really turned it, um turned it up. Um. Noon, I thought, had a fantastic game on Sunday. He was everywhere, especially in that first sort of 15 minutes um, and just felt like everything was slick and working and flowing and they had great rhythm on Sunday. And I, I looked to the person next to me who, who's a mayor, um, and he, I said to him, I just don't feel as though this is the same city team that just bored everyone stupid for two years under, uh, under Warren Joyce. So... Um, You compare that with with what they turned out on um, last night at Adelaide and they could not contrast more. Like, Adelaide just didn't really seem at the races on Sunday, but they were very pumped up for this one. I thought they were very well prepared and they really grew into the match as well. So, um, And at every opportunity, it felt as though, for me, um, Adelaide... Every every time Adelaide sort of step up stepped up a gear, and there was I'd say probably three or four occasions when they did that, City just failed to match them. Um and basically City stayed in first gear for almost the entire game and just really struggled to get going. Um I th- I feel like I've almost summed up the whole game. In fact, yeah. both games. <laughs> I haven't left anything for you. But uh, what what Could have you done mean? this podcast solo, Tommy? <laughs> just freestyled it. <laughs> and I haven't read any of my notes yet either. Oh God. <laughs>
1: uh, um. Yeah. This is this is why we we often have three people on the um on the podcast, listeners. Because we've just got to keep Tommy in check. We've got to have have enough people to be able to dive in and, and get a word in sometimes. So
0: someone someone grabs the mic out of my yeah. hand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh no I think I think a lot of that's right Tommy um but uh, look, I look I sort of do disagree to an extent about City not getting out of first gear because I think they come out of the blocks in you know fourth or fifth gear um and they, they had Adelaide on the ropes I thought you know to basically until Al-Hassan got that goal in the in the 25th minute um you know where he's just sort of uh, come down the come down the flank and um, you know sold Bazanis with the square ball and then smashed it near post um, and then after that uh, you it was know, a real
0: turning point wasn't it?
1: Yeah, City were a little bit rattled um, and and sort of looked to be trying to regroup, but they they couldn't really um, get at Adelaide's defence. Uh, but you know shortly after halftime, when when Halloran got that um, second goal, very very early in the second half, City never looked like they were going to get back into it after that.
0: No, and I think um, Mombart's had a bit of a a role to play in that as well, obviously made a bit of a tactical change, bringing on um, Winbickler Bickler uh, to go to three at the back and they didn't really seem particularly well prepared to do that. I'm not sure if that's something they prepared for in training or if it was just sort of one of those impromptu freestyler coach things that sometimes coaches do where they just decide to change things up. Um, But yeah, Jamison looked pretty poor um, sort of once they went to to three at the back and just looked kind of a little bit lost.
1: Yeah, I mean, the man's
0: the man's like played
1: for Adelaide before they won trophies. He's, he played for Sydney in the years. They didn't win a trophy. Uh, mm. Now he had a chance to win one with Melbourne City. He didn't win a trophy either. and Look, I'm genuinely shocked that he was involved in a scrap in this game.
0: <laughs> yeah, and of all people against um, uh, Riley McGree, uh, obviously, and City player from last year as well. Um, but look, mate, we, we haven't actually talked yet about... Um, our boy, we're going to have to share him, aren't we? Because, I mean, for the listeners at home, we've been pretty much arguing all week about whose boy um, Al-Hassan Torre is, whether it's Colby's or mine. But um, look, Well, the listeners know, Tommy. I know, I know you didn't listen to this particular episode of the podcast
1: because <laughs> you weren't on it, but uh, Damo and I actually spoke about Al-Hassan Torre uh, when he uh, got those two goals against uh, Brisbane Olympic in the um, earlier rounds of this very competition. Um mm you know you can you can go back and and listen to that one so it's on the record that uh, we we've been gassing him up since then so i'll have we'll, to go we'll, we'll on to anchor him. and delete that pod but oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but like, look al Hassan Torre, just what a what a what a story right yeah, massive. I mean, and we, we
1: we tweeted about this last night. It's his first pro contract. He scored five goals in the cup, including the, you know one in the final, and then sets up the second goal after rolling Delbridge like he's a nightclub bouncer. Um, and you know he's already put himself into the starting lineup ahead of um, you know one of their visa players. Um, mm. You know, and then and then you, you saw what it all meant to him. It was it was just oh, you, you live for that. That's what, that's what, what football's all about.
0: What a moment, right? <laughs> But look, it wasn't just moments either, like he he genuinely looked fantastic pretty much uh, throughout the match and he he showed great strength in holding off uh, Delbridge, he showed great pace, he showed great just awareness and he didn't seem phased at all by the fact that he was playing in sort of, what, his third or fourth uh, ever professional match Um, and he was in a cup final, so... He just seemed completely unfazed by the whole whole event, really, until he practically burst into tears. And it was his—it's—it's it's not only
1: his sort of eye for goal and the, and his finishing, which we've seen already, but it—it was—it's the, the the sort of maturity in the mindset that just mm. belies a player of um you know uh, much more experience. Um, the the way yeah the way he sort of got around Delbridge for that um th- that ball into I think McGree who then laid on the ball for Halloran for that goal was just. I mean it was inch perfect and yeah. and yeah just the way he goes about things is it's yeah a joy an absolute joy to watch and he looks like a guy that's been doing it for a lot longer than he has
0: Yeah like we see a lot of sort of one trick ponies in the in the A league guys that are quick but can't really do a lot guys that are skillful but aren't particularly quick um guys that are decent finishers but don't really have a lot more to their game um but and, and guys that are big and strong but can't score goals. Um, so it's just fascinating to see someone who's actually got more than more than one facet to their game in the A-League. And I guess the, the real challenge now, not only, for, not only for him, but I guess the Australian football public to a certain degree is um, making sure we almost don't get – we don't over-egg the pudding, make sure we don't get too excited too quickly, which obviously here on the pod uh, we have – um but like going forward, like obviously we're three games into the into the season, and um hopefully he can he can keep on putting in um big performances um for the next uh, couple of weeks or for the rest of the season, yeah, and I'm sure a lot more
1: than um just you and I now uh, we'll, be, we'll be watching him and and everyone else on twitter who already picked him up as well i will say that i'm not saying we picked him up before anyone else there was a lot of other people who were gassing him up but now fox sports are uh, all over him as well so i think uh i think i think we'll be seeing articles about him uh, you know a la the the daniel arzani days if he keeps performing like this so yeah. uh watch out um and now's probably a good time to uh launch into one of our other listener questions tommy um uh, top fan and and host of the show Damo uh, wants <laughs> to know uh should we cap him
0: yeah that's a that's an interesting one you know like if you remember you mentioned Azani and um there was some conjecture whether or not he would declare for Australia or if he would play for for Iran as well and it's a little bit similar to that where a player hasn't played a lot of games and is eligible for another country and it, where we're so sort of we're we're a bit thin when it comes to sort of special players. We got yeah we we're stocked full of like sort of decent players, but not necessarily at the international level. And so you have to ask the question: Well, when is the next um not meaningless friendly, but when is the next meaningless um international coming up? Which is it too soon to, to call him up for the the um, the Socceroos game or the qualifier in, in a month? Yeah, I,
1: look, I think it probably will be. Um, That's somewhat I, tongue in cheek. <laughs> I'd say more likely he'll be he'll be in the frame for Ollie Roos. But the, the the threshold question, I guess, is is does he want to play for Australia? I mean, because he, he, he's from Liberia um, mm. and you know born in Guinea to Liberian parents, mm-hmm. um, and you know migrated here when he was a kid. Um, you know, and obviously. Um that's not an uncommon story you just mm. sort of substitute out the countries for for other countries um, and, and a lot of a lot of um you know great players for Australia have, have sort of trod that path as well but he was mm. he was sort of indirectly asked about this after the game and and was you know basically saying uh, you know I'm from Liberia and um, it, people back home don't get the chance to play so it's sort of indicating that that's where he was leaning but he also didn't rule out playing for the Socceroos. so it's it's definitely uh a space to watch and and that's the threshold question i guess because we can talk about um you know seeing him in green and gold all we want but it's, um whether or not he he actually he wants, wants to. to play for australia yeah so um but in any case we're going to enjoy watching him for the rest of the season uh in the a league
0: this this is um i'm glad you brought up azani because i actually didn't have anything about him in my notes but um this is this is i guess one of those opportunities where you get to see a player sort of um Explode onto the scene and just enjoy uh, a player playing with no fear, no sense of like, uh, not not a real sense of responsibility yet, because obviously there's bigger names and so on and so forth in the team. But uh, at Adelaide, but it's um, just a, a, an, aw- an awesome time in in that young man's life, and it's going to be amazing watching his career develop over at least the the next twelve months.
1: Absolutely. And, and, Tommy, question without notice. I don't know whether you're ready to move on from Aljo Santore. I mean, we can always come Never. back to him. But, um, you know, what about Adelaide? Like, who are the real Adelaide? They, they lose a tough game to Sydney um, opening weekend and, and then, you know, get beat, I don't know, pretty convincingly by the same city side on the weekend and then mm. go and win the cup um, by the you know, biggest margin in the history and break all the records, et cetera, et cetera, without, you know, Troisi and Elsie, who are, I guess you would say, two of their key players. Um, which, which Adelaide are we going to see on the weekend?
0: Well, mate, I think this really comes down to the fact that there are two Adelaides. There's, um, there's a team that plays in the FFA Cup and they seem to win everything. And then there's another team which doesn't win anything. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, Adelaide just love love the cup. And how
1: about their socials as well? Their social media is normally pretty chirpy, um, but they they stayed pretty quiet in the lead-up where City were leaning into the meme and going hard on the Mumberts-Jimmy Barnes sort of ghost stadium crossover. uh, (laughs) And then Adelaide decided to get around it today after they'd won. What what do you reckon about that?
0: I think that's great. Like... um There was someone uh, during the week, I can't remember from from which website, apologies for the lack of a shout-out, but they were saying how like football in Australia almost isn't mainstream and so the supporters aren't mainstream and you can't you almost can't hope to uh engage with them in a mainstream way um and that this kind of thing is like the football community in Australia we they, we they lap that up and so I, I love it like the the idea that clubs are leaning into the meme and like for example city um pumping out those um mumberts uh uh glasses. glass uh, the replica glasses is is just fantastic like uh, bring it on that that stuff that stuff i i love that but it's whether or not i guess um sort of that's enough to maybe convert people i'm i'm not sure
1: yeah yeah that's that's a good point because we're we're you know they're sort of preaching to the converted a little mm. bit in that sense but i mean you never know like memes memes uh it can go it can go pretty far
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep as we've seen this week but look um also the the FA Cup we were saying before how it's it's um kind of developed a bit of its own momentum this year whereas in previous years it maybe hasn't and we've really gotten around uh, I guess the final and gone to some of the the MPL hosted games as well so we've we've got around and we've got involved um but like is there anything what's your take sorry on um how how this season has or how this year's competition has sort of panned out
1: Yeah I mean I think it's growing every year definitely like the buzz is getting more and more every year and you do have to remember that the 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 FFA Cup itself is um not very old it's not a very old competition in, mm-hmm. in its current format so um it is it is sort of starting from a low base and trying to trying to bring um that Fully um, inclusive cup competition, uh, you know, to the to the whole of the country, mm-hmm. um, and it's growing every year. Like there are over like seven hundred and twenty something teams in it this year, and that's you know that number is increasing year on year. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the games this year, I don't know whether this has been the case in previous year, but they were all on KO and the My Football app. Um, so you know, pretty uh, easily accessible for fans, which means that semi-pro and MPL teams like an MPL two. In the early rounds, yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's been progressing great. And and this year, and in terms of this year's competition, you, it was sort of no exception. You, you had good football played in it as well. You had upsets and drama. Um, with the strikers knocking out the Knicks on pens um, and becoming the first Brisbane team to reach a semi, <laughs> um, Perth victory and Sydney all going out in the round of 32, Central Coast nearly bottling it to Hume in the quarters. Um, it just, it just, well, you know, it. it I had was a lot, gonna a a lot going to talk about on.
0: just Central Coast just having one a won a match. Because um, I think for the last three or four years running, they've they've been knocked out and by NPL position as well. Um, obviously, Raw won a game as well. Um, they beat Sydney and, and then got knocked uh, out by the Mariners. Yep, <laughs> which shows it's just it was just a weird competition this year, wasn't it? But also, I guess um, while some of the NPL teams were really entertaining, there were just some absolute. Uh, like terrible showings. For example, like, you remember Sydney United's showing against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers when they got absolutely spanked and in some ways just kind of embarrassed themselves a little bit because everyone was expecting, oh, yeah, geez, like they're going to really show up their sort of local rivals here and, yeah, they... Did not put their best foot forward. Well, I think that's just um, the difference between a professional
1: team and a and a semi pro team. To be honest, um, mm. their, their heads just completely went in that game, and mm-hmm. it was an absolute meltdown. And and you know, Western Sydney is probably a good um, a good matchup or a bad matchup for them, I guess, in that sense. So um, yeah, that's that's what I think you put that that
0: down to. Fair enough. Look, one final question before we move on. What do you think about um, one of the teams, uh, essentially one of the teams in the final being a host? Because every team who has hosted um, the FFA Cup final has gone on to win it.
1: Yeah, I think it's a big factor, but I don't, I don't mind it. Because, I mean, other, otherwise, where would you put it? It'd end mm-hmm. up going to Sydney or Melbourne or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't mind that actually. I mean, yes, you do get a home advantage, but I mm-hmm. mean, you still have to earn the right to be to be there as well to mm-hmm. be one of the final two.
0: Yeah, I guess for for me the the two things that I, I would sort of like to see change about the the FFA Cup, even if it's for a single season only, is to first of all to play uh, the FFA Cup as a, a dedicated season uh, curtain raiser on a on a Saturday night, um, and with that, I think. It means that you can possibly choose a city in advance uh, for who could possibly host it. And it may, uh, that might lead to it being a neutral venue. It means you could rotate it around the country. You can go to all of the, um, the potential sort of A-League um, host cities um, and... Uh, Really, I guess I see that as maybe the the next step for the competition. Um, obviously, we're, we're not quite the UK where um, obviously... It's we small. don't have the culture
1: of travelling fans mm-hmm. enough for that and certainly not in such a fledgling competition as well. Yep. I think, you know... That's a challenge. You re- mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I don't think you're really going to get Traveling fans like that. If you if you hold the thing at a neutral venue, I don't think I think you can sell out like a thousand sort of seats um, for an away contingent of fans max. But I'm not sure you can um, get sort of five to seven thousand. Two groups of five to seven thousand people. Uh, traveling for a game when when the competition's like five-ish years old, um, mm-hmm. and and that culture's not really there yet in Australia, um, and you know don't know whether it will be or how long it will be there. So it's, I think it's a great idea in in theory to have it at a neutral mm-hmm. venue, but I just think it it's it's not super practical here.
0: Maybe something for the A League to sort of aim towards in maybe five to ten years time. Yeah, uh
1: yeah, <laughs> ambitious but
0: um like it
1: it would be it would be great but and I also don't mind um you know seeing it in a city who who's going to host it cuz presumably there's a lot of buzz around the city. I know we yeah. went to that one that Melbourne City hosted mm-hmm. um and it was a great occasion to to be there at a at a home final as well. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I guess both have pros and cons
0: fair enough mate very diplomatic
1: <laughs> yeah i mean what i what i would like to see is just to maybe get the final on free to air tv and and get a get a bit more of a, a buzz around it in the week before where it is um and and sort of get it building that way to try and sell it to um you know sell it to a broader audience like cuz it was it was doing the news rounds today the 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 final result but like a lot of casual fans would have just been like oh what's that? Is that was that another A-League game like what, yeah, what, what was that wouldn't have even
0: known it was on and, and that's so, why I think using it as a, as a season curtain raiser I think is a great idea because it, it gives you one promotion for, for the cup final and also it says A-League starts next week bang anyway uh, I think that'll do for the FFA Cup final for now but uh, look next up Champions League <laughs> Okay so uh, obviously another round of Champions League has just finished up this morning Australian time. Um Colby a lot, a lot of football got played. I, I honestly struggled to get through all of it um in in terms of prep for this pod. But look uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> just really just a real uh, behind the curtains uh view for the for the listeners there Tommy.
0: Yeah, I know, right. Well, there was like, what was it sixteen games? That's a lot of football to watch. Don't
1: you, don't you have time to watch sixteen uh, extended highlights of matches and a, and a couple of replays in there as well, Tommy?
0: What do you mean? I had to had to take two days off of work and and I watched all all sixteen back to back, in 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 full. But no, all right. Um, seriously, now, um, look, Colby, what did you uh, what did you think? What was the what were the biggest results for you?
1: Oh, the the ones that stood out for me. Um, firstly, was the uh, Inter Brussia Dortmund game. Mm. Um, Inter really um, needing, they're on the ropes, um, weren't they? Yeah, really needing a win um, to stay um, or to give themselves a chance of progressing. Um, so that was a that was a big result, and also the I X Chelsea result. Um, Chelsea getting a much needed away win after dropping that uh, their opening match day to Valencia at home. So. Um Ajax will be one of their rivals to go through in this group as well. So, yeah, re- much-needed win um, for Chelsea.
0: It, and Chelsea had plenty of chances, but it kind of seemed as though the tie almost could have really slipped away from them uh, at that point. So, yeah, they, they would be very happy to have, have gotten the three points away from home uh for me I, I thought spurs their their very solid five 0 home result against red star belgrade thought it was very timely given the the struggles that they've had uh in the league and and in the champions league uh recently so hopefully that will restore some sort of um confidence in that in the in the squad there um and i also thought that um uh it wasn't a it was a good result for them uh for for manchester city um but obviously rodri's injury um and that adds to pep's defensive injury crisis uh crisis in inverted commas but um i think uh that's that's going to be something really challenging for for city and and, and it's got the real potential to derail uh, and continue to derail their their season so um yeah not, Got the they got the result, but probably not in the in the way that they would have liked.
1: Yeah, not sure um, how City are going to get through this
0: extremely tough group. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Colby, what did you think about in terms of uh, standout performances, either individuals or teams?
1: Uh, I, I've highlighted a couple of individuals here, Tommy, mm-hmm. I and mean, we've got a couple of listener questions around um, the cool. individuals as well. But um, for me, um, I liked uh, the I liked very much the uh, Marcel Sabitzer. Um, his goal for RB Leipzig. That was a peach, uh, wasn't it? chest uh, and outside of the volley, uh, outside of the foot, twisting volley that just lays it into the top, like as much top corner as you could possibly, you couldn't place that better with your hands. Uh, And it was just an absolute, yeah, gem of a goal. Uh, And also... I have to
0: jump in there though and say that, like I really enjoyed that goal firstly. Um, Take nothing away from that, but... I feel as though it's slightly overshadowing uh, Yaroslav Rosicki's goal from, from that game as well. I feel that he'd be a little bit hard done by it. the the, the centre-back who scored what I think was maybe not quite as good a goal, but it was a He just pitch. scored a better
1: goal. Centre-backs don't have, don't have the right just to be scoring those goals anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right,
0: mate, sorry, you were, you were saying?
1: Oh, I just want to throw out a, a word to Erling Haaland as well. He's got mm-hmm. six goals in three Champions League games now. That's ridiculous,
0: um, isn't yeah, it? He's just in a
1: yeah, it's just a silly patch of form, and, and he won't be playing at RB Salzburg next season. He'll he'll be snapped up by a bigger club.
0: Well, do you think he could go to to the uh, sister team, uh, RB Leipzig?
1: Well, I mean they're no giants either. They're obviously um, related. Got a, mm. got a little bit of a uh, higher standard, I guess, in that they play and do do well in a better league. But uh, yeah, and they're not. I, I see him going to a bigger club than that.
0: Could end up placing uh, Timo Werner, which yeah. he's sort of been perpetually linked away for probably the last two or three years. Maybe it's timely his uh, his arrival on the scene.
1: Yeah, a uh, few few questions on on performances, Tommy. Uh, mm-hmm. Damo's got another one. He wants to know uh he, just, he just wants to be on
0: the pod, doesn't he?
1: He wants to be on the pod. I, I like that. <laughs> uh but he wants to know was the Ox's goal uh skillful or just like every person ever in Tuesday night, Div six local futsal who has no left foot and a lot of luck?
0: Nah, look, I, I'm a big fan of the of the Travella, the Mars bar. Um, I think uh big ups for anyone who can be that good with uh with the outside of their of their dominant foot. I've got absolutely no problems with that. It's just like uh, I think I've said a few times on the pod about how guys like um, uh, Marcelo and uh, Felipe Luiz, how how good they are with with one foot. Like that's not natural. So yeah, no, I take my hat off to him. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, yeah, I loved it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, For he, obvious he reasons, he,
1: he didn't hit that with his sneakers. <laughs> um, and. Blake Welsh uh, on Twitter wants to know, um, after Dybala's heroics, uh, why he's so underused at Juve? And, oh. and thinking surely he'd sort of fit into um, that centre-attacking mid-spot in, in Sari's formation a little
0: bit more. I'm not at all surprised that things haven't really worked out between um, Dybala, Dybala and Sari. I, I, I saw this coming a mile off um, in uh, and I really... Um, I really think they're not a particularly good match. I mean he's he, he's sort of quick ish and mobile ish, but I don't think he's sort of your archetypal uh Asari type player. So and especially when he's got um Higuain and Ronaldo to squeeze into that team, I think there's he just comes off second best when uh when it comes to fitting those other two players in.
1: Well I think um I think what um what Blake really wants to know is is why he isn't in that spot um, that you see um Kerr and occasionally I think Pianic sometimes gets utilised there, although Pianic obviously has, is, is more often utilised in the, um, the Jorginho role mm-hmm. in, in Sarri's system. Um, I think Blake wants to know why he isn't sort of, yeah, further back in that number 10 role that Benton um, often takes up pulling the strings where, you know, he's more often used as sort of a, a second striker. Um, which I guess probably is a little bit wasteful of his um, clear sort of passing talents. But he is, he is also quite a direct player as well. We need to get, and I did say this uh, on Twitter as well, we need to get Andy, we need to get him involved and uh, and answer that question as well. So next time we talk Champions League, we'll we'll, we'll ask that of, of Andy because Dybala's his boy from, from way back
0: allegedly, so... He is, he is. Um, but look, mate, another couple of big performances. I thought they obviously had uh, Sterling with his three goals and two assists for City um, to assist, if you include winning the penalty for Aguero. Um, and Mbappe also came on in the fifty-third minute and um, scored three goals and got an assist for for PSG. Uh, which, I mean, Mbappe was just freakish in it's in just that stupid spell. how good he is. Yeah. So young,
1: right? Like he's he. It, I honestly think his trajectory is is. Like I mean, he's he's probably already top three in the world, but he he's going to give like Messi and Ronaldo records um, he, a run for their money.
0: He's so exciting to watch. Um, this is like we, you and I were a little bit young to have seen it. I kind of remember it, but not not particularly well. I don't remember any, any individual moments, but. Uh, this is what it must have been like when the original Ronaldo sort of burst onto the scene and he was just unplayable. And is a bit like that at times where he's just so quick, so rapid that he's just unplayable at times. Just a pleasure to watch. Um, a couple of... Uh, Goalkeeper moments as well that I wanted to pick out, not necessarily standout performances, but um, uh, Antonio Lopez, uh, sorry Anthony Lopez for the goalkeeper for Leon uh, had an absolute stinker to to give um, uh, Benfica uh the win there. He's basically got the ball safely in his hands uh, and he throws throws the ball out directly to a Benfica player who uh, yeah from still had a little bit to do, but yeah the Benfica player just. Swats it away, puts it into the uh into the net. Um, and surely at this point Lopez has got to be investigated for match fixing. Um, and that decided the match too, so that was not a good moment for him. I mean um, it's it's hard not hard to see why Leon are struggling really at the moment. Struggling in Europe, um, struggling domestically. They're only um outside of the relegation zone in France on goal difference. Um, which I mean this is a team with the pie that like sort of was pushing, uh, PSG not, not that long ago, well, pushing them is yeah. probably a little bit. And the De- um, must be generous, now starting
1: to think, you know, what am I doing here? Cause he, he was but like, and he, he really has had a bit of a Renaissance there and, and mm. res- resurrected his career. But like, if you, if your team starts tanking like that, then you, you've got to start to reassess, I think. And, um, yeah, it's uh, you'd be mad at your futsal goalkeeper. We'd be mad at our futsal goalkeeper if he did that. But <laughs> he does uh, it all the
0: time, man. We are mad with the, him <laughs> in
1: the Champions League. Uh, you, you, more questions have to be asked. I agree. Um, uh, Tommy Sal wants to know whether Super Frank should start Pulisic more. Uh,
0: that's a that's an interesting question. You know, um, it's it's been really um, been really interesting watching Pulisic just not play and then um, not only not play but then basically get frozen out after he's only arrived, only just arrived um i think uh
1: he made an impact uh in the game against um uh, game against ajax that's for sure he got the he, got the assist and um he was he was in there creating chances um as soon as he came off the bench
0: so he did um, and and curiously enough um uh, Hudson Odoi seemed to to struggle in this one as well, when he's actually been very good um, in in the Premier League and in other matches uh, recently. So, excuse me, this is um, it's going to be interesting to see sort of who comes out in top, sort of in terms of the pecking order over the next maybe sort of three three to six months between those two, because it seems like they're they're competing for a spot in Frank's team as sort of William and Pedro uh, are just kind of there as as experienced sort of. Um, Experience backups, so I guess for for lack of a better term, maybe. Um does that answer the question?
1: Oh look I think it does. <laughs> um, I think look, my my answer to that question would be, well, he certainly put his hand up in that game. Mm. Um and you know, it's a long season and and um, that uh, Pulisic just needs to basically take those chances when when he's given them. So he, yeah, he might be playing in the Champions League in um, in the group stages, and he might be playing in other cup competitions, and he might be occasionally coming off the bench for minutes in the in the Champions League. But he just needs to put his head down and keep taking those chances. To be honest, um, and and like he did, and and yeah, if he's going to be competing with Callum Hudson Odoi, that's going to be incredibly difficult. But yeah, mm-hmm. if if Callum Hudson Odoi has a you know an, an off night or two, um, yeah, Pulisic might find his find himself getting a few more minutes so yeah he's doing of the, what he's doing
0: it's almost like he's been given some of the clop treatment isn't it with uh robertson how he just he barely played him for almost six months and uh then he really just he's been undroppable ever since and i don't know maybe we'll see the same sort of return from from pulisic um moving on though uh Colby, there's a, there's a couple of big teams who aren't necessarily guaranteed at this point uh, to qualify. Do you think any of the big teams might struggle to qualify from this point? Uh, I think it'd have to be a pretty big
1: collapse um, for some of the big teams mm. not to qualify. Um, you know, a lot of the big teams uh, are sort of in pretty commanding positions in their, in their groups so far and you, you at least don't see them... Um, dropping points. I mean, o- the obvious one is um, either Inter or Borussia Dortmund. I think they're both big teams and, mm. you know, only one of them can go through um, in their group, um, you know, with the, with the top spot um, pretty pretty much sealed by Barcelona. Um, I mean, even though they have dropped points themselves, you just don't see them um, not going through. So it's either going to be Inter or, or Dortmund to miss out. Um, Inter did... Um, you know, obviously, get the result against Dortmund at home, and Dortmund took the points away, fr- uh, took points from Barca when they hosted them, but and Inter drew with Slavia Prague. But so at this stage, like even though Inter have just got a key result against Dortmund, you, you do probably still see um, Dortmund going through. Um, but yeah, it'll all it'll all depend on that reverse
0: fixture. That's a really curious group that one, isn't it? And it's really t- uh, really sort of evenly poised, I think now. Um- any any thoughts on either Real Madrid or Spurs? Do you think both of them will comfortably qualify?
1: Uh, I think Madrid will comfortably qualify, but if 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 any of those two were going to drop points, I'd say it would be Spurs. Mm. And I I would say that I I don't see them losing at home to Red Star, um, mm. who are not great on the road. Um, and Olympiakos haven't won a game yet, so I think um, Spurs could just be the the third least shit team in that group and <laughs> go through.
0: But um I you Would know, that be really Spursy though for them to to, to go no, out being, of the group stage? Yes, after that would be the, that would be
1: Spursy. The Although they they nearly went out in the group stage
0: last year and then made the finals. So yeah, um, I'll reserve judgment on that. I know better now. Can't write them off just yet, can they? Um but look at I guess at the other end of the scale though, uh is there any minnows you think that might qualify? I don't know. Uh, look well, let's be a little bit generous or well, maybe the opposite. Uh be pretty generous with who you think is actually Amino. Yeah, well, I would say Any of the, the entirety teams. of Group
1: G. <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of Group G Aminos. And so I guess you, you're going to have two two of them that are going to qualify. I mean, yeah, probably a bit harsh on, on Benfica, who, who do have a lot of history. Um, but they're sitting bottom of the group. Um, but they did a favour to Zenit this morning when they took points off Lyon. So... Um, you've got Zenit there in, in third with with a chance at least of, of qualifying. So mm. Zenit have made the round of 16 three times before, most recently in 15-16, but that's mm. sort of as well as they've done in the Champions League. So I guess by that rule, you'd you'd call Zenit minnows. Uh, and then you've got RB Leipzig, who are top of that group and, and look pretty certain to go through. Mm. And But they're minnows by Champions League standards too, having qualified for the first time in 17-18. Um, obviously, um, their club's only was sort of only eight years old at that time, and was um, you know one of the fastest teams ever to qualify after their club being formed. So mm. um, it would be their first time qualifying for the round of sixteen. So I guess anyone in that in that um, group are minnows. Um, you so um, that'll be in, what will be interesting to see is how um, the two teams that do go through fare um, in the next stage.
0: Yeah, and uh, like I guess the the fear is with with any of those sort of Call them second tier teams. Is that you hope that they they remain competitive in the knockout stages and can knock out sort of one of the maybe more fancy teams? Because I mean that's that's what I'm living for is is cup sets. So
1: yeah, I mean you'd see Leipzig doing it, but um, the others are on the performances that we've seen so far, I'm not so sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, look. Colby, unless you've got something else that you want to jump in with right now, I think that pretty much wraps us up for for this week's mini pod. Um, look, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in to uh, our Al Hassan Touré dedicated pod. Uh, we'll be back early next week. Uh, but in the meantime, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, email or alternatively, send us an audio message uh, through Anchor uh, so we can play your message, uh, your question on the show. Um, please, please send us an audio message because we're we're really keen to try it out. <laughs> um, listen, uh, thanks for everyone uh, for tuning in this week and we'll, we'll look forward to uh, speaking to you again next week. Ciao. Bye.